0: Hi everyone, I am Nicolette Richet and your host for this podcast, The Eat Real to Heal Show. And on today's show, we have an inspiring, beautiful, caring, compassionate, truly remarkable human being josh lojani and some of you might have heard of him before from his brilliant book called sick to fit three simple techniques that got me from 420 pounds to the cover of runner's world good morning america and the today show but josh is really more than that in fact he's the epitome of the gorgeous quote often referenced by oprah but the quote by maya angelou do the best you can until you know better then when you know better do better and josh's entire story really emulates that quote because josh went from being a louisiana born college football player from the bayou weighing in at over 420 pounds And he reached this tipping point where he was actually dying a slow, painful death inside from overeating, from despair, from embarrassment, from shame. Not just from being 420 pounds, but everything that his life represented at that point. His self-esteem was declining, which was, no pun intended, eating away at his overall well-being. So Josh did what few people are able to do in that situation, but which truly everybody is actually capable of. And this story really shows you how you can go from feeling the way Josh did from physically being in the same situation that Josh was in to being the fastest, leanest, strongest version of yourself, which is where Josh is at now. He has never been faster or leaner or stronger than he has ever been today. And it is really an honor to have him on the show to share with you the story of how he was able to pivot, of how he was able to make that left-hand turn and adopt a new normal in his life and he did this by changing his mindset he did this by changing his um, diet he switched to a plant-based diet he changed the way he moved his body he changed the way he thought about his life the how the way he thought about exercise and he did this all in baby steps And it wasn't an overnight aha moment where he just woke up and said, okay, now I'm going to go out there and start running and lose over 200 pounds. Like that is truly remarkable. But really it was reflecting on his life of where he had come from, of where he was at in that moment. And he went from living a life in one way to changing his perception and his mindset about that and choosing a new way of living. And really, he did it in a way that truly, if you are out there right now, and you're in that same situation, you are able to do today. Now he is, you know, a brand new athlete, a reinvented athlete, he's crushing marathons, he's winning ultra marathons, and he's gracing the cover of magazines he's on several podcasts I learned about Josh from the ritual podcast I know you know that I'm obsessed with the ritual and All of the brilliant information that Rich provides on his podcast. So if you haven't listened to his podcast either, please do get lost in his long-form podcast. You know, take it in in 15-minute chunks or take it in in the full one-and-a-half to two-hour sessions that he delivers. His show is epic. The people he has on his show is epic, just like Josh Lajoni himself, a truly epic human being. But before we dive into his show, let's chat about our upcoming Eat Real to Heal coaching course that we have coming up in September. Now, check out our course. All the information is online at our website, richerhealthretreatcenter.com. You can also check out the information on our other website, richerhealth.ca or on NicoletteRiche.com. Now, if you don't want to sign up for our coaching course, but you want to learn about who we are and what we teach about how to reverse chronic diseases, including cancer, then you can also sign up for our Eat Real to Heal three-day retreat, which is happening in October. Now a third thing that we want to announce is that I'm hoping by the time Josh's podcast has aired that our new Green mustache menu is going to be out and there for you to taste. So, we have been working on this new menu for months and months and months, and we're so excited to bring it to you. It's our whole new version of our hundred percent organic always plant-based whole food vegan gluten-free delicious like so delicious mouth-watering meals and beverages and desserts and smoothies and our menu should be live for you to taste so in order to be able to taste them you need to visit one of our six green mustache locations somewhere in the west coast of canada so in british columbia in north vancouver squamish our two locations in whistler Port Moody or in Edmonton, Alberta. So come check us out and let us know what you think. If you can't get to a green mustache, then you're going to have to take it all in through our podcast. We have delicious, nutritious podcast here for you where we bring on the people who have actually taken the leap to eat real to heal themselves it could be to heal themselves of their depression of their chronic disease of their diabetes Um, perhaps it's from simply having too many pounds on that beautiful frame of yours and you've decided to eat real to heal obesity it could be eat real to heal your life in so many different ways so if you know of somebody that has done that that has used food as medicine to turn their life around to has that has used food to heal themselves please sign up to be on our podcast you can do that on our website on our green mustache website or any of our other websites so let us know if that is you and we would love to have you on our show Or if you know of somebody that has taken it upon themselves to eat real, to heal, then definitely reach out to us, fill out the form, and we'd love to have your friend or family member on our show. So listen to this incredible podcast with Josh. Let us know what you think. Enjoy. So, Josh, how do I say your last name? Is it Lajani or Lajani? I've heard so you don't many. Have
1: to, you know, Yeah, you don't have to be so fancy. Lajani is fine. Lajani, yeah, okay. Fine. Yeah, Lajani is fine, yeah.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Um, and how are you doing today?
1: I'm fine. Yeah, amazing. I'm doing, I'm doing good, yeah.
0: Nice. Have you been for a run today?
1: I have. I'm looking, have. looking for a second one,
0: though. Oh, you are? Seriously? How yeah, long I'm was your run for, this morning? I'm uh, I think I I did
1: a five mile workout on the treadmill this morning. Um, I'm getting ready for a mountain race, so it was like an uphill workout. So I had to do like intervals uphill, and then I feel like I feel like I left some on the table this morning. Right. And um, before my body really gets into recovery mode, I want to go do another hard effort this afternoon. Um, so that's what I'm. That's where my mind is right now plus i've had like the craziest it's already wednesday the craziest busiest week already with some crazy travel this weekend i don't feel like i had a weekend at all yeah you know and i'm so it's just playing catch up but in those real hectic moments in life i like all i want to do is like bathe in the simplicity of of uh, sweating and breathing hard on a run, you know, like just because that's like it's hard to think about anything else. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's like a rudder for me a lot of times, like in a crazy life that I don't like all these, it's wonderful, all these opportunities that seem to become, but it's hard to put a button on any of it. It's hard to like really make sense of it all in a cohesive way. So um, running, It's easy to make sense of it while you're in the middle of it. It's like you're extremely aware of how you feel, how your body feels, how you're doing in that moment. There's something uh, honorable about the simplicity of that, you know, It's something relaxing, something liberating.
0: And were Um, you running before you had lost all your weight or? I mean, you've always been an athlete, right?
1: Yeah. No, I played football. Um, and running was always punishment you know I was a big guy so running was always used as punishment when we played on the line like if you jumped off sides uh at practice you'd be like oh running the telephone and run to the telephone pole and back was Johnny you know and that was my relationship with running it was like oh I messed up I have to run yeah and, and that was my life uh but I slowly began, like once football was gone from my life, it took about, it took a good while. I, don't, I hate to put a time on it, but there was a period in time where I was like, what am I going to be? I'm not going to, why am I even in the gym? I'm not going to play football anymore. Everything in my life up until that point had been around me being this football player. That's the only reason I wanted to if I ever wanted to eat right, that was why, to be a better football player. If I wanted to go to the gym and work, work out, it was to be a football player. And now here I was, like, trying to use my workouts and everything to be to be not fat. That was a different – that was so different. So you kind of get lost, um, you know, and rudderless for a while in that in that early phase of whoa, I'm not a football player anymore. There's no need for me to be this heavy anymore. But how do I do that? Yeah, That's never been a goal. It's always been bigger, stronger, bigger, stronger, bigger, stronger. And now, like in that phase of trying to get smaller, faster became a thing. Like I wanted to, once I got introduced to running as non-punishment, as a good, hard workout that, yes, sucks a lot. Totally boy, that. what you get out of it when especially when you're trying to lose weight and you're trying I started to feel like an athlete again. And running drew me into bettering myself as like as a whole, like as a whole life practice. Running brought me there, you know. Uh it really put me in touch with my body. You know, that I had I'd really insulated myself from a lot of my body sensations through you know, foodborne dopamine and, and, and caloric density and visceral fat. And like now it's, it's very addictive to, it's like, you want to, you like, wow, I understand my body like a machine. Now I can do things with it. I can travel miles with it. Yeah. That's so amazing.
0: Fun. That's amazing. And it's funny because today is, um, I mean, it's an interesting day on two parts. One, we just started a community run program through our restaurants, So we have all of these plant-based restaurants in um, Canada. We have six and building out a seventh right now. and But we really wanted to bring community back in. And I haven't been running, like I did a 17K race last year, and which I should not have done because I didn't train at all for it. But it was my girlfriend's 40th birthday. And then I did like a 5K a couple weeks ago, which actually felt okay. But then I was like, forget this. We're going to start slow and why not bring the community into it so that they can start slow and we can build each other up together, you know, meet new people afterwards. We go back to our restaurant and we have oatmeal together and, you know, talk about health and wellness and all of the wonderful things that running brings to you as well. And so we just did that this morning.
1: Um, That's beautiful. And it's look, look, especially when you get started think consistency over intensity and like exactly you know you know nature never gets in a hurry to do things like to grow things right so don't don't out don't don't short circuit that process with human thought
0: yeah let it
1: grow like a stalactite or stalagmite in a cave you know let it layer over time um and i'm saying that to myself as much as i'm saying it to you because it's hard you start feeling You start feeling good and you feel like you should be, I should be over here and this and I should, you know, and like, yeah, I get it, but it's a, it's a fun process. But any, any chance we get to take, um, the path of consistency over, uh, intensity is a really smart idea. It's not about being weaker. It's about making the smart decision for the longevity. How, how consistent we're going to be able to be over the next period of time. I'm learning that now in my running. So it's very important to be gentle on yourself, not to wuss out and be lazy, but to be gentle on yourself and really have your discomfort spend it appropriately. You know, yeah, It know. should be uncomfortable, but it shouldn't
0: hurt you. No, that's, yeah, really, really good advice because um, I think that for a lot of us too, and as we're aging, like I'm in my 40s now and, you know, which is still so young, um, but compared to, I mean, I was an athlete in Mississippi playing tennis, Um, you know, I'd gone all the way down, like to the opposite end of the continent and, you know, back then and I went Mississippi, Mississippi, I know, and so And so when I was down there though, but there was no important, exactly what you said about football, like you stayed fit so you can play tennis better. And, but the one thing that was missing was the food. Like we used to go to Wendy's, our coach would take us to Wendy's before a three-day tennis match, you know, in tournament. And so we would eat this like horrible, horrific food. And it was pretty crazy being in the South, I have to admit, because of the fact that I got down there and I gained 25 pounds within like two months.
1: Yeah, man.
0: And that fat. was trying to make wise food choices. And I mean, I knew about eating. But
1: everything's fat. We're Everything. fattest flavor.
0: Fat, fat, fat,
1: fat, 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 fat. My grandfather was taught that through Paul Prudhomme, through, through like all of the shows we watched. We're bathed in it. The secret to Cajun food is more fat. Fat back, sausage, oil, you name it. Deep fat, fry it. Take fat itself and fry it.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Oh, it's delicious. Yes. It's very calorically dense. It's nothing but fat. And, and, um, so that's where all the good food is, but it's also where all the heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and obesity is.
0: Yeah. And it's, and are you still living in Lafayette? Oh no, you're not in Lafayette. Are you in Thibodeau?
1: I'm in Thibodeau. You're in
0: Thibodeau. Yeah. And um, so you're able though now to be down there and to be healthy and make wise food choices because obviously you're, I imagine, preparing all the food yourself.
1: Yeah, our- yeah, but people don't understand like how, how simplicity is so Cajun. This is so easy for me. Yeah. Because it's not about plant-based. It's not about vegan. Yeah. It's about being a pragmatist. Mm. On a very basic level, and doing some very simple things to ensure survival in a hostile environment. Yeah, and and so when I think about very very basic foods, it's not tricky at all. I I get I I sort of like shun the accolades for like, oh, you do that in South Louisiana. No, actually, it's a really good place to do it. We got lots of backyard. We got lots of uh, like, like uh, you know, backyard gardens up and down the bias. So there's a lot of people who have their vegetable carts up on the highway. So during the during the fall, we got satsumas, you know, which are like uh, what would you call them? Maybe mandarin oranges, some yeah. other the real easy to peel oranges. We call them satsumas here, and so the, like so. The way I eat, which is real simple, identifiable whole foods most of the time—potatoes and kale and and, and tomatoes and like all of those things—are really, really available everywhere. It's when we start looking for and wanting like the burritos and the burgers and the pizzas and yeah. the garden stuff where we start to think, "Oh, I live in a town that doesn't have anything." No, well, they'll, those things you don't want to be around anyway. Not, not you don't want those to be ubiquitous in your environment anyway. It's just gonna be swimming uphill, especially for a food addicted person
0: you know? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I want to touch on today, because for our listeners out there, and you know, we jumped right into our conversation. So I didn't even get a chance to introduce, but I am going to be doing an intro to this podcast, by the way. So um, for everybody out there who's listening, you know, Josh has an amazing story of becoming this incredible runner and, um, and athlete losing over 200 pounds, I believe you were up to about 420 pounds at one point.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. big Yeah. Or big boy. And you lost that. Um, and you know, you turn to, you know, food as health and food as medicine and, and are you plant-based now? Yeah. Fully, yeah, yeah. fully plant-based, right. Um, fully plant-based Correct. and stronger than you've probably ever been before on this plant-based ever in diet. My
1: life. Faster, Amazing. stronger, leaner than I've ever been in my entire life. I was, the, the, you know, when I was an athlete at one point in my life, I was a 320-pound athlete. You know, wow. I, played, I played on the line. I was a lineman in American football, um, which is usually some big fat boys. Yeah. You know, 6'4", 320. And I was like candy to a coach's eye because all he needs is a big, warm, kind of semi-athletic body to eat up another big, warm, semi-athletic body on the other side of the ball to keep him off his quarterback or vice versa to try to get to his court. Right. So, um, yeah, my, my, even my identify like what I, what type of athlete, because now I feel, I know it looked like a big Sasquatch when I run, uh, but I feel like a gazelle, man. I feel light. And I feel, you know, I have, I have days where I don't feel awesome, but when I do, and I feel fast and light. It's just like almost like flight in some way, you know, and it's just so liberating. I just really enjoy it um, much more than I ever enjoyed the ability to push someone down on their back. Like, cause I did that, wow. that was like a big, that was the winning a 5k or whatever. At that time in my life was, can I, can I take this other guy big as me? And push him out of the hole and onto his back. Hopefully, if I push him all the way onto his back, it's even extra awesome on film.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And are you going back now and um are you being asked to speak to these football teams and to teach them about what you did? And I mean, of course everybody still needs those, you know, big heavy boys on the team, of course, but you know, is there a desire for that in, you know, the football league to understand about food as medicine and food as health?
1: Yeah, I don't think there is just yet. Not yet. Um, I know a lot of kids on football. I, I do reach out. I do, uh, you know, I run with a couple of guys that are on high school football teams. And I think in high school, they're still so coach dominant. They're still so uh, next generation guided mm-hmm. that it is extremely hard for them to move away from that. Milk is good for your bones paradigm. Meat is good for your muscles paradigm. For a stranger, like based on a stranger's advice, because he runs good. You know, Um, so I don't get asked a lot to speak to football teams. I don't know if it would really resonate with the team. I would love to. I run with football teams and stuff. I I, I try to. I would love to have a relationship um, and try and have the conversation with some big boys, because you can stay big and and useful for a football team and, and be. A Plant based athlete who's not, you know, creating basal constriction at every meal in his inside of his body, yeah. right? Who's not creating all of the inflammation and slowing down his recovery time. And like, you can still be cool in a caloric surplus and be plant based and keep weight on you through a football season, you know? Oh, and yeah. So, movies like Game Changers coming out, I think, is gonna really. Help move the needle on that. I hope with high school kids because it's it, it's it's some pretty badass athletes in that movie that that uh, you would, you wouldn't mind getting behind. In other words, yeah.
0: So yeah, and I think we met at the it was either at the PCRM conference or the Plantrition conference in California. I think.
1: Yeah, in San Diego. That was Plantrition.
0: Yeah, Plantrition, right? And so, um, yeah, that's right. And so we got to see Game Changers there. Did you watch it that night?
1: Yeah, that was like my third time I saw it.
0: Oh, it was your third time? Okay, so.
1: Yeah, I've probably seen it four or five times,
0: right? Oh, amazing. Yeah, so I have everybody who's so jealous that, you know, I've been able to see it. And so for, you know, people out there who don't know what Game Changers is, it's basically, you know, an unbelievable uh, documentary that's come out by, it's James Cameron, right? Who? Yeah. James Cameron and really showcasing these athletes who are plant-based eaters and who are not relying on the, you know, excess protein from meat to, um, fuel the body and to pump up the muscles and showing that they're actually even stronger and better athletes as a result of being plant-based, which I've seen so many times with my clients who turn plant-based and all of a sudden they're like, I can run further and faster. And just like you described it, they feel lighter. Like they feel like they're flying when you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: feel, I feel, yeah. I've never felt this quite this way. You know, I still honestly, you know, I won't, I feel fake saying that because, because there are times like, I, you know, there's still a lot of psychological effects of having been morbidly obese. And so I still feel fat. I feel fat. I feel fat a lot. Uh, It's all, but it's almost like, uh, like missing limb syndrome or something, you know? Um, so like, it's almost a cosmetic thing, but I feel fat a lot, but that's mostly mental. When I really think about my body and how I feel, I feel powerful and I feel light, especially when I get on the run and I'm running and I'm around other people and I'm out running people and I'm catching people and I'm passing people. Um, I just want to cry. I just want to cry because I'll never forget standing in front of the mirror like grabbing my big belly going I wish I could just whip this off of my body god I hate it yeah and um that you know yeah the hatred didn't do anything it was learning how to love myself and and crazily like oddly enough hurting, going to that place of suffering and all of the running when I was big and heavy in the very early stages and doing it with a friend. So there was, you know, some camaraderie to it as well. But being able to work through those very uncomfortables and slowly build trust in myself, having done something, something, really forged like a capacity to, to grow. I was heavy and I was doing it for like, I had a buddy with me. So I had the camaraderie that was keeping me going in those early days. But here's the tricky part, camaraderie, not just with other people like myself to myself, you know, learning, like beginning to trust myself. Yes, I am going to do these things I said I was going to do. Not like always before, where I always just flaked off. And it was like that, that stalactite I was telling you about. It was just a layering. One bloody nipple at a time, you know? And I just kept going. And it was I was being pulled by a friend. And then being pulled by an idea of running the Crescent City Classic. And then being pulled by the idea of being a better, this thing called runner, being a better one of those, which brought me to Scott Jurek and a plant-based diet. And then it pulled me towards wanting to just be a better person, better human being, better, what does it mean to be the most, most authentic version of myself? Like Rich Roll talks about, you know, that really resonated with me on my, like my first, six or eight mile runs it's taking me an hour and a half to do them so I'm listening to entire podcasts and I'm learning to I'm hearing that over and over unlock and unleash your most authentic self the most authentic version of yourself I was like that's what's happening I'm melting down I'm not changing to unrecognizable like some people are saying in my hometown oh I don't even know him anymore no I'm finally unlocking and unleashing onto the world the most authentic version of the Joshua Lajani like animal that would have evolved without all this other stuff.
0: Yeah, and I and think that part, awesome. that part is amazing because I know from we've done a few podcasts with. Um, well, one in particular with this incredible woman who had twins and one of the twins was really sick and uh-huh. then he went plant-based and um, whole foods and like no dairy, no meat, nothing. Um, that's when he actually was able to get off all his drugs and he was only four years old at the time. But what was really cool with this twins it was almost like a twin study, but he outgrew his identical twin brother. So he actually became shorter in the year when they were trying to figure out his medical issues and his brother outgrew him. But when he switched to the plant-based diet, he actually outgrew his twin brother who hadn't made the dietary changes because he didn't have to. And I think that part it like that's what resonates so much with what you just said. It's who are you? Like what is your potential, even in your physical human body, like what you can physically be in the world, but also what you can physically do in the world or think or create or whatever. And I feel that having an amazing, like nutrient dense plant-based diet, you know, is one of the ways that we can all realize that and achieve that. We can realize our true authentic self, our true potential, and then imagine who we can be in the world and what we would do with that. Yeah.
1: You start, to, you start to really allow yourself to be curious about possibilities for exactly. the first time ever in your life instead of the exact opposite. Oh, I'm from small town such and such. I'm just a fat guy in another line of fat guys, you know, doing the same old thing.
0: And so are you, you must be inspiring people, like, I know you're inspiring people left, right, and center. I mean, you completely inspired me, um, you know, beyond belief. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I'm not 200 pounds or 250 pounds. Right. And when I was in Mississippi, like, I remember, this was 20-something years ago, like, 1994. And I remember walking down the hallway to go to my class classroom. And I'd just be, like, speed walking down the hallway, but literally... 50% of my classmates couldn't even fit behind the desks. And this was 22 years ago. And the obesity epidemic now, that was when it was like 25% of the U.S. population, you know, was obese. Now it's 75%. And so, you know, what I'm so curious about, especially all my t- my teammates from my tennis team, like the, a good majority of them are all probably 250 pounds now. And we were all the same body size, roughly. Like we were lean. Yeah athletes and now they're you know they're like this so I'm hoping for them like that they will you know reach out um hear your story listen to this podcast and Rich Roll's podcast and you've been on a bunch of others as well and where does that where does that um for you I mean you can talk just about from you but where does that motivation or the light switch go off or um that inspiration for like where did it come from for you what was that one moment or was it many moments over a long period of time?
1: oh it was just a cascade of moments you know it was a life it was an entire lifetime pointing at do you want to be better or do you want to just be the same and 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 honestly, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back was like a blend of 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 amazing things happening in my life which I married my wife the Saints had just won the Super Bowl I was about to graduate and get my degree as a non-traditional student and those all were making me feel like a different person mm-hmm. in a good way not like not like turning my back on anything but just like realigning towards hey I can do better and things aren't impossible for me it takes a little hard work and a little consistency, and a little willingness to be risky, but I can do better. I can go forward. I don't have to just accept, right? And so that was all happening at the same time. I had had my guts torn apart in 2001 when my grandmother just died at 67 years old of heart disease of, you know, she just came home. They retired, they went to South America, came home, from the airport to the hospital, never came home. She died, heart attack.
0: Oh my god! Then,
1: those subsequent years, I, I, you know, took over her role of running the family business and helping out my grandfather. And so, as time progressed, my grandfather had heart disease my whole life, right? So, as time progressed, when we start getting into two thousand, you know, eleven, two thousand twelve, I'm starting to see. As I'm starting to lose weight and I'm starting to see the long-term effects of what happens when you don't die of a heart attack, the vascular dementia that it sets in after decades of this, you know, and watching the strongest man in my life ask me for permission to have a banana out of his own kitchen resonates, man. Yeah. And especially when you're learning like, oh, it doesn't have to be that way. He accidentally did it that way. It was was delicious along the way, no doubt. But he accidentally did it that way. I'm not destined due to genes to have the same outcome. Matter of fact, I feel compelled to do the opposite in his honor. Right. So it gets real heavy. The tragedy, the family tragedy gets real heavy for me. Um, But it drives me. It drives me to speak the message to help other people that could maybe sidestep that that outcome. Um, It drives me to be better in my own life, definitely for my own family, my immediate family. And uh, so that was a tipping point moment for me to go. I had been. You know, I'd lost 120-ish pounds, but a flip, a switch flipped where it turned into permanent foreverness because the right whys were attached to, to my new behaviors and activities. So all of my whys outweigh the fact that I feel like a heel at a crawfish boil because I can't really explain successfully to a Cajun person why I won't eat their crawfish. Yeah. Uh, And that's in there and I have that file with it because my why is big enough and I'm not eating any, I promise you player. I'm not, we can do this all day, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the part that I think is, um, because I know being in the South, like there's such deep traditions down there. And I remember driving like 13 hours on the weekend just to go home for a family dinner at my my roommate's family's house. Sure. You know, I wasn't going to come back to Canada, even though it would have been a shorter flight to come back to Canada than to drive from Mississippi to, you know, Thibodeau, where I spent a lot of time, actually. Um, and so these strong traditions are incredibly strong. And... You know, I wouldn't even know, like if I were just to go down there now and somebody put out like a whole tray of crawfish on the table with like, you know, potatoes smothered in butter and grit smothered mm-hmm. in butter. Like, how would you like, how do you even start a conversation or how do you even uh, maneuver yourself now amongst your family and friends or when you go out? What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, I'm just not like if I go to, a, I'll probably eat a potato or some corn that's at a crawfish boil, something simple. So, uh, you know, because there's plants, there's available. You know, there's celery and okra. Oh, so might have, yeah, might have something in the in the crawfish boil. Somebody that invited me may have thrown some extra stuff in there because I was coming. That's my friends are considerate. I got good, I have good people that invite me places and make sure that they. They include food for me. Some people, I mean, it goes as far as a crudité, but that's it. I'll take it. I am. I will take that. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. but it usually has ranch dressing and not hummus. But you know, beggars can't be choosy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's how it usually looks. It usually looks like me eating apples and vegetables at at a crawfish boil or something like that, and I'm okay with that. Um, okay. The irony, I think, though, is even in Mississippi. Like all of these cultures, like the you know the greens and the fat back and the cornbread and the fried chicken and the gravies made of all the scraps in the pan, they're all mechanisms to survive through scarcity.
0: Yeah. Like
1: they're all yeah. they're all tools that our ancestors created to survive in an environment of scarcity, and here we are. Here we are taking those those survival tools, essentially made by a peasant culture, that we're supposed to be honoring now by eating those things to the point that it's killing us and making us sick. That isn't an, that isn't upholding a culture. That's not what that is. That is using a culture as an excuse. Mm-hmm. To do whatever the hell you want in the kitchen, and that's how I live my life. I don't see the ubiquitous crawfish boils as a way of upholding my culture. I see that as a gluttonization of my culture.
0: Amazing. I that's it. A- that
1: like you
0: know. Yeah.
1: Just, I'll give you an example. Music-wise, in New Orleans, there's something called a second line, and it's it's usually, you know, after a funeral. On the way back from the the cemetery, the music changes. It goes more upbeat. It goes from, like, say, you know, uh, a walk with thee or whatever, uh, old rugged rugged cross or some sad hymn. And then on the way back, it's going to be second line music, more upbeat and stuff. It's a very organic thing. It just kind of happens and people go, oh, a second line. And they get in the, it's just the people collect in the street and it just happens. Well, now when you get married, you can rent a second line, <laughs> you know, so every Sunday at our apartment, we hear a second line, you know, and it's, it has lost what it used to mean.
0: Right. And we've
1: done that with crawfish boils and gratons and boucheries and pig roasts. Is we have completely bastardized those things yeah. into into a into a thing that is hurting us um, as a in mass as a culture as a state you know and so hey I'll never see a, I'll never see a massive change in it in my life but what a what a valiant losing effort to fight your entire life I feel like it's a useful I feel like it's a useful resistance.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, and I think it's true that we have to just be honest with people. When they say, you know, my granddaddy ate this and my grand, you know, mama ate this and so on and so forth. So that's why I do it. Because I heard that a lot when I was down there. But I also heard people use the same language around slavery when I was down in Mississippi. Because, I mean, I had some of my, you know, um, teammates like yeah. they would go to KKK rallies when I was down there. And that was something being oh. from Canada, like we, like, I didn't know anything about that. So I was so shocked about that. But then when I would chat with them about it and be like, tell me more, they would be like, well, that's just what my grandparents did. And I'd be like, yeah. Oh, okay, well we can change this, right? We can create a new culture for ourselves and we can also uphold the values that are important to us. And like, one of the things that just happened, I saw in one of my, um, you know, it must have been, we don't have, soror- well, we have sororities up here, but down in, in the States, there's more sororities than in Canada. And one of my ex-sorority sisters, you know, she had just been diagnosed with cancer and she ta- she took a picture of herself holding like a triple, um, you know, blah, 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 caramel latte from, from Starbucks saying, I just got really bad news. My cancer's returned. So I'm celebrating with a triple blah, blah, blah thing from Starbucks right? Like just pure sugar, pure chemicals, pure everything. Yeah. What like, what do we do? And I'm curious about you. Like, what do we do in this society? And I know you just said you may not see that change yeah. in your lifetime. I really want to see the change in our lifetime. But what do we do? Because it's truly a food addiction, right? And you talk about food addiction a lot. Right. So how do we overcome this food addiction?
1: Yeah, the thing is, is, you know, we have to appreciate where we do see the change happen. You know, because I do... You know, as much as I call it a losing battle and as much as I, you know, I say those sort of negative things, there are silver linings. And I do have people and and testimonials that pop up in my head, completely unexpected ones, you know. So just like that analogy, uh, I've heard an old parable where, you know, a kid was walking on a beach strong with, with, with starfish and he starts throwing them back. And he's like, what are you doing? This is useless. Look how many there are. It doesn't matter. And he's like, well, it matters to this one, right? Mm. And and so that's the kind of the way that I see this whole thing. Like, we're against amazing odds. The entire government, I mean, bailing out dairy. We're feeding it to kids. We're so far. The pendulum has so far to swing that if we demand a certain level of, of, of change before we feel happiness or before we allow ourselves to feel happiness I feel like we're setting ourselves up to be sour and bitter and angry and in knots all the time and I feel so for me I try to just I try to just focus on love in those scenarios as much as I can like and just let it go like my if it be my friend who's drinking cancer juice and her coffee but as a celebration because now she's got cancer because it's like oh well screw it all or whatever that's supposed to mean. My God it's even more important for me to love you and make it clear to you that I love you and care about you as a friend. Forget about your nutrition and forget about your, your approach to your health care. Like if I care about you and you're in my life now I, I want to make sure I text you even more often. I want to make sure that we're friends I want because you never know. You never know. And you're not setting the table. You're, nothing. you're doing nothing. You're not willing to do anything proactive to set the table for more positive outcomes. And that that's your choice. So I have to go. I don't have to, but it's my safety net to make sure that I just sort of let it all rest on love. Like, damn. Okay. Love you're not that. hearing me. You're not hearing me. You don't want to change. You got all the excuses I've heard from everyone else. It's okay. So, last phase I love you, brother.
0: And I love you today. I love that. And I love that because we have a campaign that we started last year when our book came out. Um, it's called Eat Real to Heal. And we started a campaign called P.S. I Love You. And the reason we started it is because I didn't want people taking my book and just going up to their friends and family who are ill and just being diagnosed and being like, oh, hey, you got to yeah. change yourself. you got to change the way you eat. You caused this by your diet. You did, you know, I wanted them to actually just slow down and just first tell them why they love them and why they want them to live a long time like why would you want them to eat healthy it's because you love them and so and I agree with you I think at the end of the day it really comes down to we need way more connection in our societies like less time behind the internet less time behind our social media and more time like being authentic as well with other people and letting them know you know why we value them and appreciate them in our lives and then the when people we, we
1: that- teach, because we teach stuff to people Right? And people forget about the there's a continuum I feel like in nature, you know. Um where you learn one, you do one, you teach one, you know? Um and I feel like we teach people stuff. That yeah. I, I feel like I've made it through that continuum in my life to where I feel like I'm I want to impart knowledge to others. I feel like I've learned some things through the things I've done.
0: Yeah. And
1: and the scary part is is when you teach someone something A lot of people want to take the thing that they've just learned and start teaching with it and forget about that phase of doing it first because they're so worried about the rhetorical message to their family about the thing they just learned about casein or the thing they just learned about vasoconstriction or the thing they just learned about the endothelial cells. And, that message just that that those words mean nothing without you having that implementation part that has to happen before anybody gives a damn about what you gotta say and so a lot of people I feel like um, lose lose focus on the message by focusing on the message Yeah. focus on yourself let's get this and make it to such that People go, damn, what are you doing? Now we're somewhere. If I got to bring the knowledge to you and you're reluctant about what I'm bringing you, I may as well just shut up and start talking about football.
0: Yeah. And you are one of those people, like you were those silver linings. Um, and in in the case of you, I mean, it was such a huge change. Like I love what you said at the beginning that one of the things that you still you know battle with is the fact that you know it's the the phantom limb but in your case it's almost like a phantom body you lost half of your body weight pretty much yeah right? like you lost another version of you and so um but you i mean it's so physical it's so visual for people to see that and to be inspired and to be like yeah i can do that too and sometimes when it comes to disease you know a lot of people unless it's cancer or something like that, and people have been able to, you know, change their lifestyle around and overcome cancer that way, you know, a lot of people aren't and, and you know, the whole like, oh, diabetes can be reversed, heart disease can be reversed, you know, and, you know, and I, and we need more of those stories. And that's why I love doing these podcasts is because we get to take these stories and show people that this is real, and it's a reality and that you can do it too. So do you have a lot of, people reaching out to you being like, Hey Josh, I need your help. And if so, I know one of the things that you have is your, um, is sick to fit. Is that a book that you wrote?
1: Yeah. I wrote it with my, my business partner, Howard Jacobson, um, okay. who wrote, he also co-wrote whole with T. Colin Campbell. I don't know if you've ever read whole, but it's yeah. probably my favorite plant-based book of all time. And I just luckily I was able to strike up a relationship with Howard through social media over the years. And here we are, he's helped me write a book. And, um, so we wrote a book sick to fit, but it basically just the whole, the whole premise to the book is it's, it's basically just what we do at, at WellStart health. You know, we took everything that we do, everything we implement in our 12 week program and put it into that book. Like, so, you know, you may want us, you may feel like you need us, you may want the additional coaching and the added, you know, the added little things that come with the program, but you really, you know, you don't need it. Everything that you get is right there in the book. And it's a free Kindle download for everyone as well. Um, So I wanted to make sure that there was a way for everyone to get it who wanted it, who maybe couldn't do the program or couldn't buy the audio book or couldn't buy the regular book. There was a free option um, for someone. Uh, And, and I mean, and if you still want a paper book, paper book, and you can't afford it message me, you know, message me. I'll probably just send you one. It's no big deal.
0: That's amazing. Um, And I love that you did that because I think that's what we have to have is something, a tool that's available that people can look at and, you know, read and relate to the stories and have a program that's laid out. So I love that you've done that. And we just actually had T. Colin Campbell on our podcast last week. So that'll be airing just before your show as well. And it was amazing chatting with him. Like his, you know, and there's an example of somebody that um, discovered the power of nutrition, and food, yeah. and then went on and had children, and their children had children, and now T. Colin Campbell's entire family, like they're all either doctors or, you know, wellness advocates, and they are all out there because they've lived it and breathed it, and now they're teaching it to others. Like, it's an incredible story of how the world to, can change, right?
1: Yeah, at the ACLM conference in Indianapolis, I got a chance to meet Dr. Campbell, because Howard knows him well. And, and he was like, hey, let's get out of here. Let's walk to Whole Foods and have lunch. Awesome. So the three of us walked a mile. He's 85, you know, with a cane. <laughs> and we walked a mile to Whole Foods and we talked the whole way over there and we went to the, the, the hot bar and we grabbed our lunch and we sat down and we ate and then we walked all the way back and it was just the most surreal moment for me to just be able to regurgitate the things I learned from him back to him and watch his face light up. And like, Oh, this guy gets it. You know, I could cry. It, it, it was spectacular. Oh. Such a present He's such a cool guy.
0: And he just must've been like to see you as this living, breathing example, right? This beautiful. Oh yeah.
1: All these questions. Yeah. And yeah. we got to talk about my grandfather. And so I was talking about the vascular dementia and what i like how I connected those dots, and he was telling, kind of, he was just re-encouraging everything that I had intuited and learned along the way. Um, yeah, it was it was powerful for
0: sure yeah. that cool. is that is really amazing um, so with sick to fit they can get it as a Kindle online and they can get the book as a hard copy if they want it and then what if they want to work with you further like what are some other things that people can do if they want to work with you I'm just curious about well start as well and what that program looks like for you know let's say anybody who's you know either has a chronic illness or they have weight to lose or they want to start running or what's it all about?
1: It's really just about trying to reorient um, someone to a growth mindset. And I like to think of the 12 weeks as really sort of an on-ramp onto just better permanent uh, decisions, like permanent changes on some basic movement, mindset, and menu decisions in your life. You know, um, And what it provides almost more than anything is, community you know we we, it's a cohort based program so you start and you go through this this program with a cohort and you know you develop a certain camaraderie we have weekly zoom calls just like you and I are doing but it'll be as many people who want to show up from the cohort and everybody talks about and even if a person doesn't even say anything just winds up being a fly on the wall the feedback we've gotten is just that just being there and hearing other people work through with us some of the issues they had helped them tremendously. Because it's all about behavior. It's not about how to not eat Reese's or how to get up in the morning to run. It's about behavior and behavior change and making purposeful behavior changes to precipitate the outcomes you say you want. Right. And so that's, that's really all it is is in a nutshell. I like to think of it more as an education than a weight loss or disease reversal, which is what we really are, uh, Mm -hmm. program. And so, yeah, some big things have happened with California, um, um, in the recent, recent, uh, months. So like we're getting geared up to be super busy. Um, and I'm just excited. We, we, we have, We have the the program. It's on the app store now. So there's an app, and uh, it makes it really easy to get into um, and and manipulate all of the your account settings and everything. And and then, but we have it set up to where for just like a general public. Where if you want to, if you just happen to be here in this podcast and you want to do a program, you can sign up for the program. I think we're thinking about even offering the, a Bluetooth scale and blood pressure cuff. I'm such a stickler for that. Da- like, data is so important. Oh, so important. We get so caught up in the in the they say's and the, well, all, you know what I read and blah, blah, blah. When we can collect data and do primary research on our own biology, on our own bodies, and become familiar with that process, it's, it's critical. So I'm an advocate for it. I'm trying to get us to give away the, the, the blood pressure cuff and the scale. That way we can have some biometrics plugged into um, your reporting as we go through the 12-week program. Uh, but that's basically what it is, is just 12 weeks of, of – three different modules of menu mindset movement and, and helping you put out fires along the way as you implement those into your life. Uh, and we've seen some wonderful things with people. We really want to just set people like just, it's more of like a trajectory, you know, uh, change or, or sort of, uh, just sort of adjust or nudge someone's trajectory. So, they can continue on in a in a in a pattern that that will keep growing them in the right direction. Whether it's on the food side, the movement side, or positive mindset side, everyone has something to work on on one of those legs of the stool all the time. Myself yeah. included.
0: I love that too because one thing I always think about, like I know they have um, narcotics anonymous and there's alcoholics anonymous, and then. There's Overeaters Anonymous, and you know, but we need something for sure. And I think what you've done is you've you've closed that gap and you've provided not just the, you know, it sounds like you have so many support tools on the psychological side, on the behavior change side, but you've also have just the real practical tools like let's get up and move our body, right? Let's like, let's think about the tools for our mind. Let's actually have a menu, you know, idea and a menu plan, and here's what you can do. And people really need that because. We have a wellness center up here and if you're ever in Whistler, you need to come and um, see it. We have people come from all over North America and who come to our wellness center and they learn how to cook food and they learn how to do the therapy I teach, which is really specific to um, um, reversing disease and is particularly cancer. So it's like regenerative medicine and, and T. Colin Campbell, like Dr. Campbell, I love it because his wife pretty much like did a very similar program when she was diagnosed with cancer and it's what saved her life as well and so we talk about the um therapy extensively on our podcast but um so when people come but it's crazy because we'll hold up a potato and people will not know what to do with it they're like i can eat that like it's it's mind-blowing right and so we need we we're in I think a stage of society where we've lost our connection to the soil and to gardening and growing food and so we have to you know re we have to ha- hold or hold people's hands and give them those tools slowly and be like yes and also get over all the other BS that's out there like what people are saying about like don't eat the nightshades and don't eat this and don't eat that like oh my god definitely. Yes, the- it's so yes. crazy, right? So we have to undo all of that learning and then relearn what it is just to be nature, just to be human, just to be... Just to you know. be most authentic. And don't be so scared
1: to admit that the most authentic, most beautiful biologically appropriate way for a human being to eat is a plant-based diet that doesn't mean that the person has to be a certain uh having certain political affiliation this is about biology
0: exactly Exactly. this is what kind
1: of animal we are people let don't be don't be scared of what pragmatism tells you yeah you know
0: yeah but it's a lot to it's a lot for people to overcome so for what i'd love to know for you and just because you are sitting on your, in your car we will cut this podcast shorter if you sure. want to sure. but um so going back again so the part that i think a lot of people who are listening to this are going to resonate with when number one they can read your book they can follow you online i highly suggest everybody listen to the ritual podcast cuz i think that really got deep into you know, what it was like to be, you know, 420 pounds. You really described that in detail. So I'm not going to go into it too much because I just want to drive people to the ritual podcast with you because it was so good. But um, going back to the food addiction piece and going back to the why. So does someone have to understand that they have a food addiction or do they just need to know what their why is first? Like, is there something that is more important on those two fronts? Because I know that... Like I just taught a retreat for five days and people were like, what? Addicted to like fat, salt, and sugar. What are you talking about? And like, they really didn't understand and realize it as a food addiction, but they would say it. They would say things like, well, I can't live without my, whatever it is, that salty, oily, fatty food. And so they're not realizing that we're just animals. And I had to really go back and explain, we're just animals. Our body wants efficiency. And sometimes, you know, we can understand, I believe, we can understand what our why is. Like, of course, I want to be healthy. I have all the knowledge that my endothelial cells stiffen when I eat these foods that aren't healthy. And then that causes, you know, all these other plethora of illnesses but then my animal brain can, and that's my addictive brain. It's the brain that wants efficiency. So it wants the high salt, high sugar, high fat. And so I'm, part, I'm really curious. And for you, if, if I know you talked about your why being so important, and that's such a beautiful story in the Ritual podcast as well as ours, what you covered earlier. But yeah, what I'm curious is for, and I guess it's going to be different for everybody, but what's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, it does. Of course, you're food addicted. I mean, how can you not be food addicted? These we live. These are not. These are products. These are addiction products. They're not even food products. They're they're literally designed to make you want to eat as much as possible of them. Um. So, for me, turning the way to turn that the way to turn that off is not an easy answer. And if I look back on my life, what I was doing was I was running because I felt like running was burning so many calories that it would enable me to keep eating those old, my foods. Little did I realize that running was going to infect me with something else. I had no idea. So running started as a food mitigator. Cause I was I couldn't live without my crawfish. I couldn't live without my surprise speckle child. There's no way. There's no way I was gonna start not eating oyster pull boys on the weekend or having a cold beer. I mean, or whatever, right? And so doing it wrong, but doing something, you know, I wanted I wanted there to be change, even though I still ate these foods. Maybe running is going to be a way for, that's how you do it. You can eat whatever you want if you run this many miles. So let me keep losing weight by running so I can eat whatever I want. And that accidentally, I think, either shifted my addiction or to running. (laughs) Maybe that's how you know I'm. I am an extreme runner, but based on the average regular person, or I identified with it so much that I was able to withstand um, the 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 draw of the old foods. But the other thing about addiction that people, if if you really want to understand the psychology of it, and it. it do a deep dive into Dr. Doug Lyle's work and mm-hmm. really understand the power of the pleasure trap. Yeah. Right. And go. Oh, so if you can be a pragmatist through that that process of 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 neuroadaptation and be woke through that, and go, oh, this is what's happening in my brain. This is why Oreos taste better than broccoli. I'm not a dumbass. I can see that. I want this thing. I want to precipitate this outcome. Therefore, yes, I'm addicted to Oreos. But I know people that were addicted to heroin. Mm-hmm. I know people who were addicted to crack cocaine. Right? Addiction doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, we use addiction a lot. The We bandy uh, the word addiction uh, about a lot um, in a way that I feel like in the food world, uh, it's disrespectful almost to people who have been in some really, really, just because you like Oreos so much, you can't imagine life without them doesn't put you on the same like, oh, I'm just, well, I just have an Oreo addiction. That's just my problem. No, you're not a heroin addict. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Um, you, you're, and you should be thankful. You should be thankful that it's not. Yeah. Because you have the opportunity to move away from your Oreo addiction, right? So a lot of it is just good, stern objectivity in who you have conversations with. I feel like we can have these conversations and people who are in that mindset get to bounce these ideas out. And someone who's maybe been there before and and, and can... And has assimilated these feelings and dynamics before, can spit something back to them that maybe goes, "Oh, I never really thought about it with that quite that color or quite through that angle," you know. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and and help them help help them help them spin off into a better direction, you know, from there.
0: Yeah. So, and I, you know, and from what I'm hearing from this, it basically you know, just like you, that it was multiple different things that were happening all at once that led you to this place. And, you know, for, for me, I'm always like, I, I hate having to see my clients come to me and then, you know, they learn. And then they are like, you know what, thanks. I'm going to go try something else for a while. But then they have to hit their rock bottom, like their own version of yeah. whatever their rock bottom is. And, you know, and then they'll come back to me a couple of years later and then they're like, okay, I'm ready to do it. And I know it took probably like they went off and they watched Forks Over Knives. They read a few books. They listened to some podcasts. They got in touch with, you know, wanting to be more in touch with their authentic self. So I know it's all of these different things that are happening yeah. all at once. But there's this side of me that just-
1: we accidentally enable people to abuse the idea of addiction. We accident cause we want to, we want to be there for them. And especially for someone like myself, who is always going to be accused of, well, you forgot where you came from. If I say, I'm going to hold someone accountable. Who's been playing the same damn games for three years. I've been watching you run through the same damn carousel, do the same thing over and over. And the minute, that I've had enough as a person who's in, we're in each other's orbit for a reason. You're asking me all of these things, right? And then the moment I have enough and say, hey, you must not want the things you say you want. Let me know you want to stop lying to yourself because you're just saying those words. You don't really mean it. You don't really want those things. As soon as you have that sort of come to Jesus with them, then all of a sudden, you know, oh, you forgot where you came from or that's a, you don't know what it's like anymore or you don't understand my world or, you know. Um, and are you
0: that honest with them? Are you just like, come on, I've been hearing your, you know, your shit talk or whatever you want to call it and you're just, do you just yeah. put it on the line?
1: Yeah, I try to be as tactful as possible Yeah, and not or not break someone down because I'm not, re- I don't want to be a, like a mean girl or something, you know, I'm not trying to just pick. Yeah. But there were times in my transition where honestly, my wife served that purpose for me. She would hear all of my belly aching about what I said I didn't like. And then she would watch all of my behaviors that made that, those things keep coming true. But she had to hear it and see it. She had to watch the lie that no one else could see the lie, you know? And she's like, okay, I heard you again for the hundredth time, but here's the deal. You're saying that, but here's not, that's not how you're acting. So either shut up about it or do it, but please do one of them.
0: Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, I think for people who just listen to this part, that it's so true. And I always go back. I have a girlfriend. If she listened to this right now, she'd be laughing so hard because, you know, she used to whine to me about her her ex-boyfriend. And it would like, just go on and on. And finally, I'm just like, I've had enough. Listen, the next thing you're allowed to say about him is either that you just love him and you're committed to him or that you're just ending it now. Like, there's no in-between. And so she, sure enough, she went and broke up with him and she, to this day, she comes back to me all the time and she's like, thank you so much for not letting me go on and on and on with my story, right? Because it's a cycle, it's a loop that we get into and, you know, and other people see it, right? We're trapped in it, so we don't see it, but the other people, they recognize it. And I think we do have to be honest with ourselves and honest with the people around us as well. And, and it's hard to do because you want to do it in a kind way. You don't want to Make the person, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to feel bad. So, you know, but there's a way to do it with kindness. And I think what you said is with love at the end of the day, it's just like, listen, and
1: Again, when you are talking about addiction, right. If you read, and we, and so talk about the instances where this is, this is really legitimately going on and they, you know, um, and helping people with addiction. um think about what John Joseph must go through. How many failed, how many people approach him about substance abuse or or rich role with alcoholism, right? Um, and, And the failure rate of this. I don't know what makes us think, I'm guilty of this myself in lifestyle medicine or whatever. I don't know what makes us think our recidivism rate. Should automatically be much lower than, you know, alcohol and drugs. Yeah, um, no, it's the hardest thing, right? It's it's so tough. Yeah. Um. So it's very important for us to to find that love, um, and it's also important for us to to find that backbone when you know our friend who has been saying the same shit over and over again is eating a burger while I'm eating a salad yeah it's a little rude you're asking me to pull for you when you say you want to do the thing yeah and you're asking me to shut up when you don't do the thing yeah that's a lot come on bro
0: you know Yeah, no, it is. And I think we all do need to, I mean, we're doing it here, we're sharing stories. And we also need to just stand up and be honest with the people around us in the most loving way that we can. But honesty, at the end of the day, it's, you know, they can choose to listen to you or not. And, you know, and maybe just one day we planted a seed and enough people have planted seeds around them that what springs forth is that um, the desire and the ability to go out there and maybe just start running or change their diet or you know become more mindful. So, no, it is really really powerful. So, with the Well Start program, what's next on what what's next on your on your plate? Um, and what's next with your company? Do you have a company now? Like Wellstart is part of the company and I know it's tech-based, like, it's, tech it's health-based, it's all of it come together to help all of these people. And is that the one thing that you're focusing on now or what are, what are some other big plans that you have in the works?
1: Well, so right now I'm actually in the process of uh, getting out of business, of my, my business that I've been in for my whole life um that's taken up a lot of my time there's a lot of logistics involved there but uh you know in the net a good situation i think a great opportunity for me especially given um that we're growing well start at a rate that seems to be really really interesting um we have some cool things on the horizon and so my how we have our book out which is wonderful for me that's a it's a thing for me to be able to toss out to to people when I do get invited to go speak places. If I had my magic wand to wave, um, I would be traveling to a different city to go to go speak once a week. You know, that's what I would really love to do uh, to do more of that. So Howie and I, we've been working on that. I've been busy doing it more and more, but that's really uh front of mind for me I want to do more of that and um, and we want to move well start like we're doing really well with our cohorts that are opened up for um but we'd really like to you know move more into do like these uh like big corporate populations we had some success with like little mini immersions a day and a half immersion of mm-hmm. like a little crash course and meet I would love so we're reaching out and doing more stuff like that um, as well, but who knows like the the universe like the world is it's like a kaleidoscope now, you know I mean, things just blossom and pop into fruition um, all the time. I have a manuscript written for an actual like life story book of mine that I've, that has taken me a long time that I go into a lot of detail that'll maybe maybe i'll maybe we'll do something with that one day. Um, and I have all of my running goals, you know, I got a, I have have a Leadville Marathon on June 15th coming up. Uh, and I'm going, I'm going to talk and run in Buffalo on August 3rd. One of my very best friends in the whole world is running Badwater 135 in July, and I'm going to be crewing and pacing for him for that. Um, Yeah. And we got an anniversary coming up. We're going to Jamaica. Um, I've got a lot I've got a lot going on. Uh, but like Well Start is our baby right now, and I thank God every day for my team because I think I think you got to meet Olivia. I don't know if you got to meet her, but she was there I did get at, to meet her in yeah. San Diego. Yeah. And she is just she's a soldier, man. So, and, and Howie is just so brilliant, so smart, such an asset to be able to help think through some of the problems we have and to have Dr. Stantic as our, you know, as our, our medical, uh, our, our chief medical advisor is pretty amazing. So that, that is very promising and takes up a good, say 75% of my thought processes these days is, What's happening with WellStart? How's the latest cohort going? Um, what are things looking like going forward? You know, how are we cleaning up the, the the app, the user interface, all of those things? Me, a trailer park guy who's worked on sewer pumps his whole life, and I'm worried and we, I'm like, I know, like, I'm worried about the back end, coach facing stuff of um, uh app that we have created, you know, it's like mind boggling to think about, don't ever think you want, don't ever think you know what you want so much that you wouldn't take something better. That's a -hmm. a quote from Chris Voss on, on Howie's podcast, the plant yourself podcast. And it's about negotiation, right? And, uh, that, I, that phrase really resonated with me because of my life. Like I thought, when I went back to the gym that first time, I thought I wanted to just be a lean bodybuilder. I wanted to be the same 300-pound guy, but just all muscle. Right. Right? And I went down that path. And, and uh, you know, I thought that's what I wanted, but I wound up with something completely better. And, and if you would have told me that this is what I was going to be way back then and say, hey – you think you're going to be a bodybuilder, but what you're going to be is a plant-based ultra marathoner. I, I would have never believed you. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So go with the flow and, and take the opportunity, surrender to opportunities before you surrender to pragmatism, namely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, yeah, uh, keep, keep moving, keep growing towards better.
0: Keep growing towards better. That is an amazing way to leave this off. I have so many questions for you. I mean, about all parts of your life. I really hope you do write that book and get it out there because I think that story that really dives deep into, you know, everything about who you are, where you came from, where you are now and, you know, your dreams. going. Yeah. about That's going to be really powerful as well. Tr-
1: you know, you ask me, and, and and here's just the ugly truth about life. You ask me about, you know, a precipitous moment when it all changed. And honestly, there is one. Oh. And it's, but it's, it's so tragic and so private in my family that I can't really talk about it mm. and how he knows that My very, very close friends know, you know, what happened in my life, in my family, my very close family. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to protect to protect other people involved in all of the different things uh that just aren't my call and i don't feel comfortable talking about it uh, mm-hmm. cuz there's there's mental illness issues and just different 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 uh components to it and 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 i'm i'm almost ashamed like i'm almost embarrassed that i that i can't I, i'm i i will not speak publicly about the one thing mm-hmm. that really pushed me that really made me go you know what let's do life different mm-hmm. and um, it almost feels disingenuous in a way um, but but you know we all have we all have those in our lives oh we yeah we all have those we all have those and most of the, most of us let those anchor us down And if I can prove anything or if if I can at least score one for for that side of the scale um, is that those things don't have to be anchors. They can be fuel. You can make them fuel. Um, So don't think that your unique skeleton in your closet is uniquely holding you back everybody's got one of those deep, ugly secrets.
0: Yeah, we all do. And
1: it doesn't Define. have to be a yoke. It doesn't have to be a yoke around your neck. Matter of fact, yeah. it's way more useful as a lever to propel yourself forward. Um, I see that now.
0: Yeah, and it's true. I mean, that's the thing I think in our lives Um, that – you know, and you use the word, you know, you feel shame about it. But the thing is, is that, you know, we all have that in our lives. And sometimes when we come out and we speak about it, then that's when other people are like, oh yeah, I've got that too. Like it almost is becomes a lever to like eject other people out of the holds, like if they can't get out of it themselves. I'm one of the people that I feel that even with those skeletons in the closet and I'm in the same boat. I'm just like, you know, maybe I'll talk about it when my, you know, when my family's dead just to protect them. Um, right. right? And I don't feel this need to come out. I think that I have lots of other levers, crazy stuff that's happened in my life. I can talk about those instead without having to harm any of my family. And it's something that I go back and forth on all the time. Um, and it's really out of just, and it sounds strange, but it is out of just respect for, you know, the family. Yeah, and um, and I, and I actually think there would be more harm come out of it because I don't think that the family involved would have enough of their own, you know, strength and backbone to be able to to have to go through that. So that's something I deal with. But I mean, I have lots of, but I do use that all the time every day. I remember that. And that is what fuels me to, you know, like push forward to get our food into the hospitals, to push forward, to, you know, make sure I eat well and and feed my kids well, to push forward and start the businesses that I've started and all of that. But I do know that a lot of it does stem from, from those moments, which I haven't necessarily talked about openly yet. But it'll be interesting to see, yeah. It, and, and I mean, it's one, I guess it's, it's private and, you know, maybe you will come out and talk about it one day and, and maybe not. And if we can do it in a way that we don't have to, but still be able to help others, then that's great too. Or until we're ready to, then um, that's great too. But it's true. Those skeletons can be, they don't have to pull us down. They can, they can no. send us soaring in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, it, yeah, it really works better. It really um, works better as few, it really does. Yeah. It really does work better as fuel.
0: No, 100%, 100%. Well, I can't wait for the book, whether it includes those stories or not. I'm still going to read it for <laughs> sure. Um, and, yeah, just to learn more about you. So for anybody who wants to reach out, they can reach you. What's your website?
1: JoshLajani.com.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna if you want
1: to learn more about WellStart, is WellStartHealth.com. So awesome. those two, and you can get to either one from uh, from my my website, and um, so yeah, that's it.
0: That and is, and follow amazing.
1: me on Instagram if you like. If you want to be up, uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram most of the time. So um, follow me on Instagram. Message me if you have questions, um, you know, or requests.
0: I love it. I love it. We're going to uh, include all of your contact information for your website and Wellstart and Instagram in the show notes as well. So people can get in touch and learn about your story. We're going to put Rich Roll's podcast and your other podcast in our show notes so that people can listen to that first. If you want to know more about this amazing, beautiful human being that we just had the pleasure of chatting with today. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I know you're in your, it looks like the sun is beating down on you.
1: Being down on you. It's beautiful. I'm about to go for a run. Amazing. So I'm I'm ecstatic. It's 5:30 here. Awesome. Um, and I hope to get out to Whistler do some trail running one summer or something. We'll have to we'll have to hook up.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to make sure that um, we continue with our community run group. So by the time you get here, I'll be able to keep up with you in the trails for sure. And I'm going <laughs> to bring you up here to be a speaker. We've always talked about having a plant based conference in Whistler because it, oh. in Canada, we're way behind the states um, when it comes to that. And we finally have our first plant based conference happening, um, but it's Love back it. east in Toronto. So I'm going to that next week. And, um, but Toronto. we want to. Have- yeah, in Whistler. And we'll bring you up. I love
1: Toronto. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Toronto. yeah, Toronto is great. I've only been there once before, actually, because it's 5,000 kilometers away. But um, yeah. yeah, so that plant-based conference is going to be great. You should get on the speaker list for that conference for sure. I'm going to put your name out towards them because you should be speaking at that conference. But yeah, we'll organize something in Whistler. And then you can come up and try our food at our restaurants and tell us what you think.
1: I'm, I'm so in. Let yes. me
0: know. Okay, we'll sure. let you know for sure. And yeah, definitely want to have you on the podcast again because I want to touch on, you know, what it was like, really get into what it was like with your wife when you're going through these changes. That's something that I think the audience would love totally. to know. Because so many times when my clients are making lifestyle changes for their own health, the family members not on board. Or, um, and yeah. that makes it really challenging so I think that's another powerful story for people to learn about um, I know your wife was incredibly supportive from what everything I've heard but um, you know want to dive deeper into that Do you ever have any of your wealth start um, people who've gone through your program that ever want to do a podcast then definitely let us know because we'd love to share their story as well and all the things that they went through so that'll be awesome awesome okay Josh go we'll have an amazing run out there and um, I look forward to connecting with you again in the future
1: Thank you. Okay. You bye. bye.
0: So I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Josh Lajani. Get his book, Sick to fit three simple techniques that got him from two 420 pounds to the cover of Runner's World, Good Morning America, and the Today Show. He lost over 200 pounds using a plant-based whole food diet, switching his lifestyle around, switching his mindset and his physical activities. And if any of you want to Know more about how Josh got from that place a few years ago to where he is today, being fitter and leaner and stronger than he's ever been in his entire life. Find his Facebook group called The Missing Chins and also get connected with his Well Start program as well. So don't wait another day. Get started today because you can turn your life around. You can ultimately be the best version of who you are because like what Oprah said and what Maya Angelou said when you know better you do better and as of this podcast today if this is the first time ever that you are hearing, learning that plant-based whole food diets are a healthy way to go are a way that you can turn your life around and your health around today then don't waste another day because what you learn today can change your entire life for the better and not only that but your kids are watching you your neighbors are watching you your friends are watching you so you can inspire them to also make those changes as well so they can be the ultimate best versions of themselves so I look forward to hearing about your stories of using food as medicine of being inspired by Josh and learning about how everything you learned in this podcast helped you inspired you so please follow up with us. Let us know how this worked for you. If you need support, if you need help, definitely Josh's Well Start program can do that and our Eat Realty Health programs can do that as well. So don't do this alone. Don't get lost in the dark by yourself. Reach out. We are your tribe and we want to help you succeed. So email us, get on our Facebook pages, uh, read our books and please eat real to heal starting today and let us know how it goes. And in the meantime, be well.